stop or sideways shunt, like like what we saw with Senna. Uh, that tends to be the serious danger incident. But that's not to play down what happened to Zoo. That was scary. And yeah. um, the fact the guy got out of it with just a kind of a little bit of disorientation and a few bumps and scrapes, I mean... Wow, you know that that's just incredible when you think about it. In, in Formula One, in Formula One, uh, Michael as well. You know these kind of things they all happen so fast. You, you, sometimes and I don't know. Look, the dri- driver has to do this over fifty-two laps or whatever it is. But sometimes you know things happen so quickly. Sometimes you don't have time enough time to react. And uh, you know I know these guys are experienced, but e- even Formula One drivers that have been doing it for for the last six, seven years, even the likes of Lewis Hamilton, you know, how experienced he is, still, still things can happen so quickly and you don't have the time, to the reaction time to, to kind of put things right or to kind of avoid things happening. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean in this case, it, it even took, it, it, was, it happened so fast that it even took two or three replays for like uh, David Coulthard to figure it out, uh, what mm. exactly happened. But basically there was a kind of a, it was kind of a pincer movement, shall we say, uh, as Russell moved in and Gasly moved in. And, of course, Russell just nudged the back of uh, Zoo's car. And the car just, I mean, I, I still can't believe it flipped over. I mean, I just i just can't. It was the way it, the way it was touched. It is so on you. This was kind of almost like somebody wanted to test something in the worst case scenario. Um, because yes. it shouldn't have happened. It, it really shouldn't have happened. But, yes. You're absolutely right. You're flying around the track and these guys have tenth of a second reactions. But they know exactly where they're going and they know exactly when to turn. But if you have that focus on the track, your focus on everything else is diminished. Now, for them, that's still a damn sight quicker than we can do, but it's still diminished. It could be three or four tenths of it and the accident could happen in a tenth of a second. You know, I hear now that you're fairly lethal now in the old, in the old wheelie, Formula One wheelie bid circuit now. Uh, oh, I I tell you're, you. you're fairly quick, you know. All the children in the street know to get out of the way when they see the red wheelie bin of death. <laughs> you, sound, you, sound like, you, you sound like a Wexford's answer to Evil Knievel or something. E- evil Knievel, <laughs> wimp. <laughs> Absolute wimp. Absolute. I don't know what he's like. I really don't. Getting hurt, my God. <laughs> well, once we got the Rayers 3 started again, what a start, actually. The two Ferraris and the two Red Bulls. What a fight. Inches away from each other. Now, this, this, this is how it should go. I normally would go. Guys like an inch away from each other. There was even a touch between Leclerc and Perez, um, which no surprise really. They were just really on top of each other. Um, at the speeds that were going, you know, we'd panic if we were so that close at like 40 kilometers per hour. These guys yeah. were flying around corners. It's just absolutely amazing. And Carlos Sainz, I mean, hats off to the guy. He was mega. He went around the first corner and, Max Verstappen was right beside him, but he did the best professional thing you can do. He squeezed them ever so slightly so he could keep two wheels on the track and two wheels on the sleeping policeman at the side. But that means he can't get the drive out the other side. I mean, I was surprised. I've never seen Carlos doing this before. I I really hadn't, you know. Really never seen anything like that before. But unfortunately, the the top between Leclerc and Perez that seemed okay, um, Perez actually had to piss um, so wing damage came out of the touch. It wasn't spotted immediately, but you know, one of those things, it kind of, it gets worse as you're going around a high speed with the sort of um, pressures that they have on it. Now, unfortunately for Charles Leclerc, 
he had end plate damage, which they weren't going to be able to fix too easily. Um, I think really they... Oh, actually, that was kind of the end of his race then when that happened. Not really. Uh, he kept going. It was kind of the end Fair of play. a win <laughs> definitely. Definitely the end of a win, I yeah. have to admit. But uh, again, you know, it, it's like everything. Lap 10, poor Carlos Sainz made a mistake and slipped over the curve slightly. And Max Verstappen just straight past him. Really did something else, I have to admit. And Charles Leclerc was still there, handing, hand, holding on. I mean, he really, really was there. And it was a very difficult job with the lower down force. But they weren't losing him at all. But it all turned around in immediately again on lap 12. Max ran yeah. over a small piece of carbon fiber around cops as he ran wide. Oh, I didn't realize yeah, thank you. Yeah, he, he just ran so wide around it. He really did. It was a mistake. He wouldn't have got overtaken only for that. And then he had a slow puncture. So total disaster. I mean, total disaster. He, even as he came, he almost, oh my God, it was a fraction of a second overshot the pit line, which is a massive no-no. There would have been a 10-second stop go for that one. He locked up, but... You know, it was almost immediately as if Max went, hell, and, and stopped the car, you know. But uh, he was told, yeah, that's okay, you know. And Leclerc was going around and with his downforce. And they were saying, you know, he had little grip, but he just kept that car on the track. So it was really, really good to see. With the pit stops, the pit stops were kind of unusual, I have to admit. Um, I mean... Sainz pulled in on lap 24 and Leclerc on 26. And then Hamilton took the lead briefly as he hadn't pitted. It was very briefly. Uh, and Verstappen again complaining about bad tyre wear and bad tyre choice and downforce. He said it was like driving on ice um, with the tyres he got, which was, was really unusual. And, and the one but that Does he not have a choice of the tyres that's put on the car or is that just decided and he has no choice? He, he he just decided that, that was a bad call. Um, the team called because the team have the strategy and yeah. they needed the different the different tires on. They didn't need the softs or the mediums on, and that was okay. That's the strategy. Whoops, they're not working as well as we should. And to be honest with you, that happens a lot. I mean, well, that can, don't that can know. cost the driver time as well as um, a position on the grid as well. Like oh, a- absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Even you know a guy coming up behind them that that's quick. Um, you know, kind of that really just causes them absolute problems, really. You know, Le- Leclerc actually, uh, with him, there was another silly situation. He was actually faster than Carlos Sainz with downforce issues. And yeah. he asked for a swap. And, and Sainz said, basically, in a very polite way, no, he needs to overtake me. Um, now, Sainz is fighting for the world champion, or not fighting for the world championship. Leclerc is. And it was almost stupid. It was almost farcical watching him going around. He eventually did the swap. Um, you know, they kept talking about it. And you can tell sometimes by the words they're saying, that's Carlos, do it now, or we're going to give you a kick where the sun don't shine. Um, and he actually did it, really. And uh, Leclerc needed to move on. But, I mean, you know, he was fighting so hard that the slower Lewis Hamilton was catching up on him. He, he couldn't keep pace with the two Ferraris, but... Yeah. They're fighting each other, you slow down. And it was kind of, you know, what's going on here, guys? Uh, yeah. It's absolutely stupid. The guy behind us is catching us, you know. But he did come into the pits. Uh, he, he basically just said he couldn't keep once the two Ferraris swapped around and, and went hell-bent for leather. He just couldn't keep up the pace anymore in the hard tyres. So he went in and, of course, had a disastrous 43 
second stop, but we won't go there. Lap 39, poor old Esteban Ocon broke down in the Alp- Alpine, um, which cost as caused a safety car. Now, do you like seeing safety cars? Do you not like seeing safety cars? I, I don't know. It can cost somebody a race. It can cost I, I would like to ask you this, uh, Michael, as well, just touching on that. Um, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine about the, the, the safety car. And yeah. um, but but your your overall view on it, you know, obviously the safety car does is supposed to do like what it says on the tin, yeah. a, a safety car. But um, it kind of comes across from from talking to various people, including yourself. Sometimes it can be a hindrance. And does it, in, in fairness, and I'm not being facetious against against the uh, safety car. But does it actually overall do what what it's supposed to do, or is it more of a hindrance? As in, like, does it? Yeah, does it do what it's supposed to do? The problem with the safety car is you've kind of a balance here with it. It's necessary, yes, absolutely. If there's yeah. an accident, they can't move a car. The marshals have to run out and move that car. Now, uh, yeah. uh, the cars go. Oh, it's still on that side of it, but on the other side of it, though, it is to a degree. It is a hindrance in a way because then the, the, the race the, the race actually probably has to start again or, you know, you know, what do the other cars do while the safety car is trying to remove the car from the from the, from, from the track? Well, it, this is the thing, you see. This, this is the big problem with the safety car. You know, it's there, it's pulling people out, it's giving them the right idea, everyone pulls out, there's not an issue. But the biggest problem with the safety car, and, I mean, everybody says it's necessary and no one ever complains but in this particular race, Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc had such a lead that yeah. they should have been first and second. And it compromised Leclerc's race totally. Um, he not only didn't finish second, he finished fourth because he had a massive lead. They didn't change the tyres on the car because they said he can make it on those tyres. But the problem was then when everyone was back up his rear axle, um, now the lead is gone. Now suddenly, right, now he can't make it on those tyres because he's not fast enough. You know, it, it just changes things so much. It, it, and it depends on how far away he is from the pit stop that he needs to get from where the where the incident happened to the pit stop to change the tyres as well. Oh, again, more again, more time lost. Absolutely. And, and, and this is the major issue. If you pit under a safety car, you'll save time. But the problem is everybody could be bunched up at the time and you could lose, you know, where you would have lost one place, you could lose 15 places. Um, And it's not good for anybody. I've always thought if you have a 10 second lead in first place, when the safety car pulls in, you work up to a 10 second lead over, we say, two laps, everybody gets back out, works in their time to, you know, within a second or two of where they should be, but slower. And then, off goes the race because it's it's you know Charles Leclerc felt hard done by and technically he was he he should have won the race at the distance he had pulled ahead of everybody and then ended up that they couldn't change the tires and he had to run to the end and he ended up going backwards by three places which you know Carlos Sainz yeah great for him he 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 won the race but I mean and Carlos Sainz was absolutely amazing I have to admit after the safety car he did a fantastic job. Could could you say for uh, overall throughout the race he, he won it on merit or was it just he won it just because of that one incident and we don't want to be ungracious to the guy fair play to him for winning it but out of those two kind of things uh, or am I reading it right you, you could say well he won it based on that but you could also turn around and say well yeah there was fifty two laps over the fifty two laps he 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 earned it. 
he did very, very well. There's no arguing with Carlos Sainz that way. He did an incredible job. Would he have overtaken Leclerc by the end of the race? That is a possibility. Because Leclerc had tired tires, <laughs> and uh, Carlos Sainz didn't. He had an extra pit stop and had good tires on board. So would he have caught Leclerc? Absolutely. Probably he would have been told not to overtake him. Maybe, maybe I think he would have. But in this situation, I suppose Charles Leclerc came forward. He may have come second if there was no safety car. But Max Verstappen ended up in seventh place. Um, right. You know, which was very on Verstappen, like <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which I mean, uh, it's critical. Leclerc finishes in front of Verstappen if he wants to catch him, and he got six points. But I mean, the thing is, he could have got twelve points for second place ahead of them. You know, so I mean, you could say one thing or the other. If there wasn't a safety car, Charles Leclerc definitely would have won the race. Um, Sainz did win the race. He would have been second, but that's okay. That's the way a safety car is. Sergio Perez got second. Well fought by Sergio, but he wasn't keeping with the Ferraris. And Lewis Hamilton got third. He was definitely ahead of where he should have been um, because, you know, he couldn't keep with the Ferraris. And Charles Leclerc was actually gaining on him. Uh, he was second, but Sergio Perez went past him like he was stopped. Um, absolute past him like he was stopped. The Red Bull was just so much faster. And um, Leclerc then was gaining on him, but was just too far behind. He ended up being two seconds behind him, you know, give it another two or three laps, it'd have been in front of him um, because they are much, much faster, which was a pity. Uh, but still at the same time, look, that's the way safety cars are. Um, we don't like them, but they're a necessary evil. And, you know, if someone, you can gain from it, you can lose from it. You know, there's no question that Lewis Hamilton and Sergio Perez and Harlow Sainz gained for it. There's no question that Charles Leclerc sort of lost out to it. And, and I think as well, in fairness, Fernando Alonso had a magnificent race to end up in fifth in that Alpine. He was he was going like a rocket. And I mean, one stage he was all over the back of Hamilton. Um, I reckon if there had been a sniff at a, 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 a gap there anywhere, he'd have gone through it. He was incredible. I mean, nobody expected an Alpine to come fifth. You know, okay, again, if Max Verstappen didn't have a bad time of it, he probably would have ended up sixth. But, I mean, Fernando would have been dancing in the streets in sixth place, you know. He'd have been very, very happy. Um, The other good thing was Mick Schumacher got an eighth. He's pulling up big time, which is nice to see. He's actually ahead of his teammate now the last two races, and he's getting points, which is nice, very, very, very nice to see. But it was... I mean, safety cars always bring up a bit a bit of drama. And sometimes it does make the best drivers shine, I have to admit, and um, which is great. But just, I suppose, Charles Leclerc caught, got caught badly by us. And, and Carlos Sainz and Sergio Perez didn't. Um, and that was the race it was going. Sainz was absolutely, I have to admit, absolutely fantastic in the race. I, I did think... Man of the race should have went to Fernando Alonso. He was just staggering. Um, he was showing that he was still a contender. He was still fast. He's not old. Just because he's been away and he's older doesn't mean he's not fast. And I mean, he, he was largely ignored uh, because he was driving a good race, keeping his head down, moving head slowly, taking it where he could. You know, and doing what he had to do. Uh, and that was very impressive, personally. He's a world-class act. He still yeah. has the skills. Fernando Alonso was the man for me, and he has been moving mountains to get that car competitive. He he does what few drivers do. Few drivers like uh, 
Michael Schumacher did it. Sebastian Vettel is actually currently doing it. And Fernando Alonso, they're bringing a car that shouldn't be where it is forwards and developing yeah. it, which, which is, an absolute, is an absolute great thing to see. Uh, the race itself, as we said, ended up with Carlos Sainz for Sergio Perez second, Lewis Hamilton in third, Charles Leclerc in fourth, and Fernando Alonso in fifth, who was right on top of the back of Leclerc. And, Le- and Leclerc was two seconds behind Hamilton, which was right on top of him, you could say, because of that late, that late thing. But at least, look, that's the way the end ra- the, the race ended up. Charles Leclerc was delighted to be ahead of Max Verstappen, who both of them had their woes, really. I would yeah. have said Leclerc had more woes with that between the downforce gone and the terrible tyres. He did a great job. But at least, look, in the long run, at least uh, uh, Zoo walked away from a bad crash after being flipped over. Um, the race was good. The race was exciting. And... Um, I am <laughs> um, just just uh, uh, two points really I suppose with, with regards to Lewis Hamilton finishing third he's starting to get more consistent kind of finishing third now but you know does that for you does that show like an improvement that he is kind of getting back to where he was he might never reach the, the full throttle of where he used to be but that's that's kind of progress when you consider what he went through so far this season and maybe from, from the end of last season and the last race but yeah. if that is the case he do maybe he needs to kind of start if, if he could convert finishing third into second or first um, maybe look at finishing top is probably out uh, out of his range at this stage, depending on how the rest of the races go. But also, I, I think um, I'm not sure which race it was, but uh, wasn't there an incident where the the, the top three, uh, first, second, and third, got penalty points? Yeah, that that is actually true. They got some penalty points. It didn't actually make that much of a difference in the end, um, because it's you know that's absolutely fine, but. I think Lewis was very positive leaving here. And it's nice to see him positive. A bit of a spring in his step. Yeah. But I do think he's unrealistically promising. Like, he came third and he said, you're going to see a lot more of that. But really, in the race itself, only for two safety cars, um, only for the difficulty of Leclerc, and only for the difficulty of Max Verstappen, he couldn't stay with the Ferraris or the Red Bulls. They were gone. Mm. Um, you know, so what do you see all of his car... That that he can keep up with those cars. Um, Mercedes are being very positive about it now. I have yeah. to admit, and they're very being being upbeat. And but again, they're saying they're developing the car, and they reckon they've have the gap to the leader, the lead cars compared to their cars. I'm not sure I'm agreeing with that. Um, it's just things are not moving at the pace they should be for them. I mean, at the moment. Max Verstappen's in the lead. Charles Leclerc is back up in second place again, which is great to see. Um, but, I mean, you know, Lewis Hamilton is nearly half the points of Max Verstappen. Um, yeah. That's next. That, that's going to, I know there's still a good few races to go, but really, unless Max starts having abysmal times of it all together, um, you know, and even Max, when he does have the odd abysmal time, he normally comes back stronger than ever. Um, you know, that, that's going to be a hard thing to beat. And, I mean, even Charles Leclerc, Hamilton's 109 points and Charles Leclerc is 170. And you have to remember, it's it's kind of Red Bull, Ferrari, Red Bull, Ferrari, and they have the fastest cars. Yeah. Um, Mercedes, Mercedes, after that, they are the fastest of the rest. Will that ha- keep going as well would be another question I would ask because... Well, how, how do they break into the, that, that, the, the other access, like the Ferrari... 
Red Bull access. Do you know what I mean? What did you do to? I think if they actually do, I think it's just ongoing, ongoing development and solving problems. Yeah. But I mean, you know, they're still complaining to reduce the porpoising, but it's still happening. But I mean, you know, if you look at the cars like in Canada and that, they all have it. I mean, I didn't see anything significantly worse about the Mercedes than what Ferrari and Red Bull were dealing with. Their drivers were just better at dealing with it. And it's just simply they have faster cars this year. Um, Mercedes has just been caught on the back foot. They're just not able to do it. I, I think they will close the gap. But I think being anything other than fifth or sixth for Hamilton and for Russell is just not going to happen. Um, they're not going to get forward to that. They could even win a race or two, but just the rest of them are so far ahead. They've been lucky so far. I mean, if you look back at it, they have been lucky. I mean, even in that race, Hamilton was lucky that Leclerc had issues because he was fast still. Uh, uh, you'd wonder what he could have done if he hadn't had issues. Max Verstappen had the puncture and then had issues. And you'd wonder how fast Max would have been. I mean, the, t- yeah. the two the two main number one drivers were, were compromised and the two second drivers were still ahead of him. I mean, that's not, you know, being positive is great, but I find with Lewis, positive is great, but he tends to overstate, overdo the positiveness and yeah. he underdoes the negativeness. I, I, I think he needs to be a little more sort of even-handed like Max and Charlard. They're very kind of, yeah, we did well today, we did great next race is a new race we'll see how we do you know I think more of that really he just needs to dial it down a little bit because he do, he's doing a great job there's nobody arguing with that but he just I suppose he tends to put people off sometimes by being overly, uh, is, overly is there an explanation in that Michael? Uh, I, don't I, I, I don't know I don't know I think it's a, I, I think the you're only thing is positive that you're, you're you're trying, you're trying, as opposed to just saying it, when you, you feel you have to convince people. You, you Almo- know. Yeah, almost, but it also feels like he's trying to convince himself. But the problem with that is, you know, he's finished third this race. If he finishes fourth next race, it's a disappointment. Whereas if he finished third this race and finished fourth next race, he's done his job, fair play to you. Yeah. You yeah. know, but it's bringing him down then when things don't go positively. And he is becoming a little bit a little bit moany at times. It's not like him. It isn't like well, him. I think, to be fair, that can be that can go across the board really with all with all drivers. Yeah, it can to a certain extent, I suppose. Yes, it can do. You know, but I mean, in, in a way, it's been exceptionally positive for Ferrari the weekend, even with damage. Char came fourth. I mean, that's impressive. Uh, it's been impressive for Red Bull. Max only came seven, but he had his issues as well. Uh, and that's been impressive for them. You know, they're they're still top of their game, no matter what way you look at it. They are yeah. still top of their game. Um, and that, that leads us on, I suppose, to a certain extent, before we do the news to uh, the Austrian Grand Prix, which was a, yeah, was, was a kind of a... Uh, there was kind of a few situations there too, but it's... Um, is again turned out to be an unusual, unusual race uh, with Ferrari and, and, and Red Bull still having their problems. As we know, there was sprint qualifying. In qualifying itself, uh, Max Verstappen took a, a, a stunning pole position on sprint qualifying. He really did. Um, it was only by a tenth of a second, but I mean, it was an absolute masterclass by him. Um, he did a great, great job um, on that race. Charles Leclerc was on his back axle, which is what we expect. 
we really do expect uh, Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc to be one and two and someone on someone's back axle. That said, Carlos Sainz and George Russell weren't far behind either. They were on top of them too. With Esteban Ocon in an Alpine um, coming fifth. Alpine are really, really coming on. And if I was Mercedes, I would be looking behind me at the moment. With uh, Fernando Alonso being on top of um, um, Lewis Hamilton the last race. And now suddenly Esteban Ocon in fifth place after qualifying. But, of course, sprint qualifying. Well, it was very, very good. It didn't really change things too much, though, you could say. Um, it was interesting. You know, Max Verstappen still won the, the sprint qualifying after dueling majorly with Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. But but he cruised to victory in the end, I have to admit, and got that, that, that play P1, which was, you know, absolutely incredible when you think about it. I mean, he, he did... a an exceptional job, you know, and Sainz and Leclerc were actually, they were at it again on lap six. Uh, Verstappen stretched his lead because the two of them were kind of fighting with each other, which is it good, is it bad? Well, I have to hand it for to Ferrari um, for letting the two of them fight, but at the same time, if they hadn't have been fighting, you know, Max would have still won. Uh, there's no argument there, and maybe that's why they let him fight. But, um, you know, in the end, he would have... They would have been a lot closer. Uh, he, he won by 1.6 seconds in the, the sprint lap, which was good. Uh, and it was, you know, he, Leclerc did close up on him in the closing stages. He was a bit quicker. And I don't think Max was um, kind of slowing down. I, I think Max was still pushing it. Um, the one I did like was George Russell. He finished in four to the Mercedes. It's a, he's a great driver, I have to admit. Uh, and he battled his way up from 13th the fifth, which was great to see, you know, it, it, it was absolutely amazing. You know, he is a, he is a great driver. He is a great driver. I, I've always liked the guy. Well, Lewis Hamilton then kept um, Esteban Ocon at bay. Esteban had fallen down at the start and Hamilton got in front of him. Esteban Ocon was faster. Definitely. He just had a bad time of it. Um, uh, just really had a bad time of it on, on, the, on the first part of the race. He he was really something else, I have to admit. Um, and, and, and very good, very good, very good job, I have to admit. The biggest movers was, uh, you know, Alonso, you know, set to start eight in, in, in sprint qualifying. But really, uh, he didn't finish, which wasn't great. Car went, that was it, end of story. And it puts him 20th uh, for the race itself. And, and Alex Ambon and, and Pierre Gasly, unfortunately, lost six places um, to start on Sunday bad. Whereas Ricardo and Norris, you know, they gained four places. And Sergio Perez made up more places than anybody. Uh, he got up to, he got up and overtook eight people. You know, very impressive, I have to admit. You know, so it's it's very, very good. Sprint qualifying is still definitely, I thought it was a bad idea, but, it, you know, it actually ended up quite well. Moving on to the race itself, uh, you know, it was a little, I suppose there was... That was kind of almost predictable for quite some time. Uh, I, I mean, Alonso had done very well, I have to admit. Um, he made it up from P8, uh, from last to, to, to eight by lap 20, which was an absolutely incredible run for him. And it was a massive five-car scrap there with Norris. Um, that was absolutely fantastic, I have to admit, with Magnussen and, and Zoo coming around as well. It was nice to see the guy back up to speed again, because sometimes... Sometimes a bad crash can really kick a guy badly, and and, and it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really. Well, physically, obviously, yeah. Well, absolutely, it can have an effect on on a person, really. 
uh, majorly about things like that. You know, I I, I have to admit it was um, it was interesting. Actually, at the start, Max Verstappen did size across Charles Leclerc at the start. Uh, Charles actually got a better start and looked like he was going to take the lead. But um, Max spotted a coming and, and went across and, and did what was just a simple race move. No problems whatsoever. And um, unfortunately, um, he knocked him back. That's just racing. There was nothing unusual about it. You could, you could say there was, but no, there was nothing unusual about it. There was a, there was a little bit of a wide moment as well with uh, uh, George Russell. Um, Sergio Perez was was attempting a move around him because everybody moved all over the place on the first lap. It really was guys falling back, guys jumping forward. But, um, you know, Sergio Perez attempted that move, uh, ran out of room, uh, got tapped into the gravel into last place from where, of course, he pitted with damage on the car and put on the hard tyres on lap two. That, that really was... That was unfortunate because his, his race was then... He wasn't going to finish too close to the start, as they say. And Sainz also had a, an absolute abysmal time as well. But look, the race itself, Charles Leclerc was pushing like hell, I have to admit. Even after the first pit stop, he was pushing Verstappen the whole time. He had fallen back quite a bit, but he was 1.5 seconds behind him by lap 31. And the DRS, oh, two laps later, he had that and he was going cutting down the inside of Verstappen to take the lead. I would have said easily on turn three. I was very surprised. And uh, Max Verstappen radioing back saying the car was becoming unpredictable. I'm not sure. I love Max the bits and he's a great driver, but he does tend to be finding issues to complain about when he's not in the lead, which is... I well, don't know. Queen will be unfair to say about him at times, or is it just that he, he tends to nitpick? Or In this season, last season he had issues, but he was right on the money every time. This season, I don't know. It's like... It's he's almost like, to them just happening. Yeah, he's looking like it's happened and there's a reason for it. You know, Charles yeah. Care got by me and there's a reason for it. I'm back in seventh and there's a reason for it. You know, I, I don't know. He's not trying to convince himself. The man mentally is like nobody else. He's made of steel. Yeah. And he doesn't, you know, you can call him an idiot and he doesn't care. He just ignores you. Walks away. Yeah. Just, I don't care. I really But that's care. the mark of a top sportsman person, isn't it, though? It is, but it's it's. It, I I am so surprised nothing gets to him. I've I've never yeah. seen that before with Max. He's he's very well put together. Now look, we can assume that there is an issue and that he is correct because I've never heard Red Bull countermanding him on anything. Um, yeah. but at the same time, you know, at the same time, say it in a nice way, Max, because it's it's sounding like you're whinging a bit. Uh, you know, it's just just. Take it down a bit, like you know, just just cut it down a, a, a wee bit because it, it's it, it's not something we want to say about the season. You know, well, Max Verstappen came second. I'm not saying he will, but Max Verstappen came second because this, that, and the other, and he did quite whinge a lot. You know, <laughs> you know, we yeah. don't want to hear that. We either want to hear Max Verstappen won grace instead of just Max get on with it. Like instead of just say, yeah, these things happen, just get on with it. Yeah, uh, exactly. He, he is a ch- in fairness, he is a champion. He is and the champion, last thing you expect from a champion is oh this issue and all oh, that issue. You, you expect a champion 
with his experience, just say, right, this thing happened, experience, just keep going. Absolutely. And then, just, and then just after the race, then sort out the issues kind of among the team, but to be saying them publicly, but sometimes things are said on the radio um, during the race, I suppose, and it comes out. Yes, yes, it does. And, but it's, it, I think it's Max, Max's demeanour, to be quite honest mm-hmm. with you. Very robotic. Um, mm. not, not in real life, he's a really nice guy and he laughs and he jokes and he's really upbeat, but he can come across as really robotic and that can come across bad. And, mm. you know, people can see it as that. I don't think he is, but just, you know, I'd love to bump into him and say, you know, Max, lighten up a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just yeah. just give us, a, you know, just lighten up a little bit when you're in the car. We're not expecting you to smile because it is it is hard, but, you know, just lighten up just a wee, wee bit, you know. I, I mean, it was again later on in the race. Um, Leclerc took a second pit stop in 51, you know, uh, and, and Verstappen was released back into the lead because in 37, uh, sort of he he bailed out of it and went in and and came back out again and uh, and sort of you know he was back in the lead again and he was two seconds faster than than, than Ferrari on that lap you know and um, he's just I, I mean he was incredible but I mean Leclerc bore down on him again lap fifty three and and passed him again for the lead and Max then says what a joke traction is. Um, you know, it's Max, he overtook you. You know, if traction is a joke. There's nothing you can do about it. Just say it to the team, you know, uh, having a little issue with traction, guys, and we'll see how it happens with that. Not yeah. what a joke traction is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, really I mean, really, really even if there is an issue during the race, there is nothing that can be really done until after the race. You know, you just have to keep going in the race. You're absolutely right with that one, I have to admit. You're absolutely right with that one. If you can't, just stay it in a nice way. And um and, and go down with that. Just just let's 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 go in a positive way. Um actually as as it went on then, of course, Sainz came up, Carlos Sainz in the second Ferrari, and he was on Verstappen's tail by fifty seven, so much faster. And then suddenly the Ferrari slowed and pulled off the track. And debris and flames came out of the car. I mean, really, really, really unusual out the engine bay. Uh, and the side pods of the car, of course, Sainz got out uh, pretty swiftly and uh, went out to safety and he sat on the the grassy bank. Uh, He took off his helmet, which isn't always a good idea because you could see the kind of equal amounts of frustration and disbelief, I suppose. In his face, he was kind of, I'm going to be second, I'm going to be second. What? And the car was going, I mean, he was really catching Verstappen and he was going to pass him. Um, it, the Ferrari were dominant on the day, um, but it was just on you. And I can I can't blame them, you know. But you know, as as as, as the the true drivers do, sometimes they leave the helmet on. <laughs> leave the helmet on. We feel very sorry. I was very sorry for the guy. I mean, he was there and he was just going so so much ahead. And then now you had a, a virtual safety car, which to me is the best situation. It's better than a safety car because a virtual safety car slows everybody down to the safety car speed, but no one gains on anybody. Everyone stays where they are. I think it's a much better situation. I can understand the safety car sometimes guides them correctly 
um, where maybe in a virtual safety car, somebody could end up on the wrong side of the road. Uh, with modern communications and, and flags, and, you know, they've got it in their head from the team. They've seen the flags. They're getting the information out. You're driving a lot slower. You can understand the information. You know, it's not like you're going by a 250 kilometers per hour and somebody holds out a sign. How are you going to see that? But, um, you know, I think the safety car is much better. But, you know, that that that's just life. That's just how it goes. And it went back on lap 60. Charles Leclerc, of course, led the way when racing um, resumed. He did say that his throttle pedal felt a bit weird, which looked a bit worrying. But they reckoned that was because, you know, he was racing like hell. And then suddenly everyone had slowed down for three laps and it was just, adjusting again he was adjusting the car had cooled down a bit so the car was adjusting you know Verstappen did begin to cut down the lead for a while through the slow sections um, where Leclerc was kind of struggling a wee bit which was unusual but Leclerc picked it up and he won the Austrian Grand Prix he was absolutely delighted Uh, it was a second and a half but he was absolutely over the moon Um, Schumacher actually just on that actually overtook Norris because Norris had a five second penalty for going off the track limit slightly um, you know so it was very very good but you know Kevin Magnussen behind him actually finished fifth, uh, sixth he had a whopper of a day driver of the day honours goes to Kevin Magnussen for me um, he just did a great job so we, we had Charles Leclerc first Max Verstappen second Lewis Hamilton again third benefiting from Carlos Sainz and Sergio Perez. George Russell fourth and Esteban Ocon fifth. Now, you could say Mercedes were on the run-up. They were third again, were doing well. But he was 41 seconds behind Leclerc. That's a huge... Absolutely staggering. If the other two Ferraris had been still in the race, or the other Ferrari, uh, Perez and Sainz in the Red Bull, uh, was Perez. If they had been still on the track, there's no way he'd have got near them. Um, that's just massive. They could have been nearly a half a second a lap slower than Leclerc and Verstappen, and they still would have been ahead of him. So he wasn't as upbeat, which was yeah. maybe, maybe, you know, a, a little bit off with that one. But look, that's it. Um, that was the race. A little bit of news before we go, as they say. Uh, Alex Albon. Um, has made a step forward. He's very happy with the Williams car in Austria, or so he tells us. Um, another bit of good news, Aston Martin team principal, uh, Mike Crack, has expressed his hope that Sebastian Vettel will stay with the team beyond the end of this season, because Sebastian is scratching his head at the minute, because he said the two years they've had with the four-time world champion um, has really been a, an amazing investment. He's pulled ours forward, and they really want him to, you know, pull it forward even more. He's um, human boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, they've got 95 points in the Constructors' Championship yeah. and Sebastian has got 58 of those. Um, yeah. And he has been unlucky and got hit a few times. But they really, they have said they want him to benefit from what he has done rather than to improve the car and walk away. Uh, the other guy is on a, on, on a great charge to be. At the minute, of course, is Fernando Alonso. Starting last, he, he did a very impressive recovery um, up to eight, but he did finish uh, tenth at the time. But you know, he was a little dissatisfied. But at the same time, um, you know, he was very happy. He did say that there was a very late pit stop 
from the team very late. He didn't think it was necessary, but the team thought he was. And he was in sixth place when they called him. So he was a bit disappointed with that, but, but quite positive. We, we spoke about Mercedes, who's, who still think they're going to be sort of challengers for the world championship in the end. I, I, I still can't see it, but look, let them, let them, let them try. Let them be positive and everything like that. You know, uh, it's rough to see, but look, there you go. And Sebastian Vettel, again, we're back to him. He went off the track, as we know, which ended his race, but he said it was disappointing. Um, but the car was good. And a couple of last bits, um, Danny Ricardo, who everyone was worried about, he said he is committed to stay in McLaren to 2023. He's not walking away from Formula One. He's very, very upbeat. And um, Valtteri Bottas finishing 11th wasn't a whole happy guy. <laughs> he had yeah. to start from the pit lane because uh, he had a new power unit, but he feels the car isn't progressing fast enough. But look, yeah, 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 you'll get this with drivers. In the car. He's <laughs> Absolutely. He's doing a little bit worse than he was. So next week, um, we will very quickly just leave it on the fact that, of course, we have France coming up. Um, we're absolutely happy to see it. Uh, we're going to be talking about that next week in the in the old race warm up, and uh, we'd have a bit of laugh giving out about people then. No problem, that's great. Listen, thanks for taking the time out to do Formula One view with us, and we look forward to covering all that again next week. It'll be absolutely brilliant next week. Looking forward to it. No problem. Talk to you then. And that was Michael O'Grady, our Formula One expert. And you're very welcome back to Friday Sport with myself, Aidan Raftery, and the show. This is always kindly sponsored by Best Drive, and we'd like to thank them. We have Best Drive here in Roscommon Town, and we'd like to thank them for very much for their kind sponsorship. And there's a there's a song, uh, with, you know, the boys are back into our, uh, we are the boys in green. So that'll bring back memories for uh, for a good few people there. Um, glory days for, for the boys in green. And uh, so next up we have... Uh, we we have uh, GA with uh, my, with myself and former Roscommon goalkeeper Ray Lan. Hello, Ray. How are you? Are you well? All good, Ed. And those were the days. Thank you. Yes, you're with you. Great song. Yeah. <laughs> it certainly brought back memories for us all. I think um, you know uh, what what a, what a what a team we had, what a squad they had in those days. But uh, hopefully, those days will return. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. So. Um, yeah, so I suppose we we we'll kick off slightly not um, a J a J topic, but we just say you, you probably just every, anyone that just saw it locally the local newspaper there Monksland Star signs for uh, for Stoke City. What an opportunity uh, for Darren McGuinness, um, recently signed there from uh, he was he did play for Monksland. Um, he's recently signed for Stoke City. A great opportunity for him, and it's great to to see someone from Roscommon getting such an opportunity, Ray. Absolutely, Aidan. and uh, you know, it's to go for Stoke City. Stoke City is a big club, Aidan. Like um, even though it's not in the Premier League at the moment, I spent a bit of time in Stoke myself there for a while doing the course and. Uh, Stoke City, they've uh, 30,000 seater stadium. They always command maybe about 20,000, 20,000, uh, 25,000 at the home game. So you're talking about traditional uh, top club, a Premier League club in England that Dara is going to, and it's a great achievement for him, his club in Monksland. Also, his family and his coaches, Aiden, that brought him this far because he, he, he wouldn't have got there all on his own. He's got probably teachers, coaches, and of course, his parents and people close to him helped him along the way so it's brilliant and I wish him the best of luck in Stoke City he's there with an Irish manager of course Michael O'Neill so he's going to be in good hands in Stoke City and uh, they have a great tradition of Irish players 
Terry Conroy in the 70s who played for Ireland and Stoke Rory DeLapp as well Glenn, um, Glenn Whelan James McLean so let's go ho- hope that he goes on to emulate all those great Irish stars in the future Aidan that's it and uh, moving back to uh, I suppose the club scene in Roscommon moving back to GA Matters there uh, I think it's something that I have never seen uh, in Roscommon GA Craig's win the Tansy Cup with the Tansy Cup final obviously that's the Division uh, 2 League or the Division 3 League for uh, uh, the in Roscommon that's like the Junior the Junior League um, very unusual to win a final without even having to tag out obviously uh, Strokestown had to pull out out of it, but uh, you know, Craig's won't uh, Craig's won't turn won't turn that down. And I think it's uh, when you see that the whole infrastructure yourself and myself have covered games um, for the club, uh, and uh, you know the talent that they have is unreal. And it's nice to see them getting some silverware. It is, it, but uh, you know another thing. I think we spoke about it before about the junior. The Tansy Cup is really the junior league. You know, yeah. it's intermediate. You know, the Ogara Cup is intermediate league, and the Rock League <coughs> and like I've spoken to you before about maybe the junior clubs playing for the junior championship like the six junior clubs in Roscommon yeah Vasquez and Barry St. Joseph Balanamine um, St. Ronan's and St. Michael's and I, I've said it before in the programme those six clubs should play off for the junior championship you know like you know the seven hurling clubs play for the senior championship that's not too much a difference you know what I mean yeah and similarly with the junior league Aiden, you have second string sides from senior clubs or top intermediate clubs playing and when you have a situation where a senior club such as Strokestown for whatever reason couldn't field in the junior final it brings the whole competition into, into it questions the whole integrity of the competition yeah. where a team doesn't field for a final you know what I mean it's, it's, it's absolutely dreadful scenario that a team qualifies for a final and they for whatever reason they do not field I, I think it's absolutely shameful I think it's, it's something that has to be looked at and I think if a club decides they're not going to participate in a final for which they qualified well I think the next team up Aiden, should be given a week's note say right you're in the final now and not to take away from Craig's and Craig's are a great club but I think this is their third Tansy Cup in the last few years yeah. so they're a great side you know there's great forwards and they've listed everybody and they are the best team in the league there's no question about it but I can safely say but ask any Craig's man they'd rather win that cup on the field of play win it on merit win it on the field of play now, win yeah. it on merit because they were the best team yeah. but still the final is to be played and it's not to detract from their achievement but I still think Craig's would rather win that game win that final and be given the cup because like nobody wants to be handed a cup for a final they want to win it and there's something radically wrong where a senior club uh, for whatever reason does not feel to play in a Tansy Cup. It's it's Aidan, it's, it's absolutely uh, it's 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 against the integrity of the competition. Like that cup was put up memory of Mr. Tansy, who was very very well known in Roscommon Circles, Aidan, very efficient <coughs> ba- back in the in the day. Mm. And like for for his team, uh, his cup not to be contested, I think it's uh, caused into question the integrity of the competition. And it's, a sh- it's an awesome spectre because listen, listen, I played in the Tansy Cup final myself once. We won back in 1993 against Park Pierce in a very, very tough match. And they were a second string team, all right, Pierce, but they never pierced us all in clubs. They all contested, you know what I mean? Clans yeah. and all that. And we won by a point, but won five to seven points in, in Dr. Hyde Park. That was in November 1993. 
everybody battled their way for that cup, as did Craig's did, but we came out on top in the, on the, in the end. And I just feel it's a very, very poor sector for a club not to participate in the final for whatever reason. I don't know, but there are probably good reasons. And I think Craig's are a great side. They deserve to get the, the win anyway. They were a great club. They deserve to win it because they're the best team in the junior competition this year in the Sunday Cup. But I think they would prefer if they had to contest it. Yeah, I think I think it is. And it's, it's fair as well. Um, now... I suppose on the other hand maybe it could be a thing that maybe you know it can happen some player as some teams usually it doesn't happen in Strokestown but maybe it could be a play, case that maybe they didn't have enough players available on the day or something like that but usually that's a, a thing that doesn't happen until maybe the match day or the day before or something well if that's the case they should, they should postpone it yeah. they to follow a week or two and let the third place team prepare for the final yeah that's it yeah and I, I think there should be some scope for that but the, the, the whole idea of, of a cup being handed to a team like that yeah. is common football it's a shame it is and you look at it Fancy yeah. Cup the six if you like flagship cups contested every year yeah. the Fatty Cup the James Murray Cup and the Junior Cup the Championship and then you have the Aurora Cup the Garrett Cup and the Tanti Cup so there's the six top tour preeminent senior adult tournaments in the county and one of them isn't contested it's, it's, it's a walkover like yeah it's an it's a dreadful spectre I love I'm, 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 I'm labouring the point now but I just feel so I feel, I feel that it should it should be something that should be done to stop a similar situation happening in the future and whereby a team is handed the trophy through no fault of their own Craig's you know as they would have rather won that game on the field of play but they were handed the trophy and I think hopefully that doesn't happen again in the coming yeah maybe that's something that the, the, the county board can look at but I suppose moving on uh, a matter off the pitch uh, Clannagale Clannagale Games Development Officer new new development officer uh, Alan Fitzpatrick uh, a great opportunity for a young guy he seems to be a young guy enthusiastic uh, you know he, he's been around Clannagale obviously all his life um, it, it, but it, it is a position in any club or in any county uh, it's it's a position of huge importance isn't it absolutely and it just shows like let's face it Clannagale is a massive club in Roscommon population down there in Monksland and Johnstown and Clannagale big drum big area massive <coughs> massive uh, history some of the greatest players ever Play for a common come from Clan again. Um, so that's the bigger responsibility, you know, to keep the conveyor belt coming. It would have been very disappointed to lose the county final last year, Aiden, but I suppose game development is so important, you know, from yeah. the age level. There's your future, that's the team. And your under fives, under sixes, under tens, and under twelves of today and under fourteen, that's the senior teams of, of 10, 15, 20 years' time. So yeah. a massive important responsibility of, you know, getting players engaged at a young age cooperating with the peers schools coaches and everything else and then working with working with the various coaches at the various levels I'm sure they have a strategy in place that you know common training schedules and common skill sets and everything be coached so it's a, it's a great opportunity for him and we wish him very best Aidan and, and Clannan Gale as well great club um, you know, so many trophies have won over the years. That's it. We like to. We both like to uh, wish, wish Alan all, all the best in this new position. And moving on to Hurland in the county. Um, obviously, as as we both know, Ray, um, the Hurland Championship is uh, gathering pace now at the moment. Uh, some in, three interesting fixtures this weekend, or last weekend, I should say. Parry Pierce's two seventeen at League 
310. Uh, Pori Pierces are really making a statement that we, we, we know the pedigree they have. They have Daniel Glynn back as well, which is a huge plus. Uh, on the league side, I suppose they're missing Pat Nolan as well. Um, a massive presence that they have had in the backs for the last number of years. Uh, an interesting result there, Ray. Well, it's no real surprise. You have the champions of 20 and 21 battling it out yeah. and Pearson's coming out on top but at league have to be careful and that's two defeats now in a row yeah. for them like they lost to Orton the week before so that's two defeats and they're in danger now of being eliminated before the business end of the hurling championship uh, comes on so it's a massive result but um, at least need to win their next match and they're gone you know they're, they're, or they're not gone already but it's, it's a massive blow for them to lose the two games but uh, Pierce's Aiden, we saw them two years ago. They're a fine team, you know. Uh, I think at league beat them in the semi-final last year, so there's nothing between them. And I think at league, you know, that second year syndrome is very difficult to lift it again in the second year after winning the tra- championship. A lot of teams find it difficult. And Pierce's will be champing at the bit, Aiden. They'll be disappointed losing the semi-final last year, and now here they are setting down, uh, making a big statement by beating the, the 2021 champions by just two points in the end, wasn't it? That's it, yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, it was so it, it took extra time two or three years ago to, to separate both of them. So that just goes to show you how keenly contested uh, the, the, these games are between the two clubs. Moving on next to um, to Four Roads versus St. Dominic's. Uh, Four Roads coming out 216 to 16 points. But... Like we said, like we've said previous, uh, from from uh, we've been looking at Dominic's the last couple of years, both in the league and championship. This uh, Saint Dominic team is up and coming, and uh, when you consider the pedigree of four roads, yeah, it looks like uh, I know it's there was six points in it, but still, this this is a uh, this is uh, a Saint Dominic's team on the rise again. Absolutely, Edinburgh. Four roads are like Kenny, aren't they? Edinburgh, yeah. They can never rule them out. They're always. They're always there, thereabouts, and, you know, they haven't won it for a few years now. What, 2019 was the last time they won it, was it? So That's right, yeah. They'll be, they'll be looking to come back with a, another uh, uh, win this year. So uh, it'll be interesting because, like, Pierce is, you know, I, would be one of the favourites. Four Roads are always one of the favourites. And Dominic's, you know, they're a young team, as you said, a common team. And uh, they'll be hoping to replicate their wins of, of the 90s. You know, the great teams they had in the 90s, you know, with the... With uh, Liam Murray and Moss Killy and all those players, you know, and um, the great sides in the 90s. So they'll be hoping to come back in and figure in the championship in these few years, especially this year. It's a new, you know, a new season. And the great thing about the Scotland Hurling Championship Aiden, is most teams can beat each other. Yeah, so that's it. It makes it, it's even. <laughs> it's, a great, it's, a, it's a great championship. Yeah. And, uh, but I think four roads. You can never rule them out, eh? That's it. And moving on, finally, to the final game of the championship uh, from last week. Tremont won 32 to 114 uh, against Roscommon Gales. But, um, you know, we, we saw them, uh, we saw Roscommon Gales last year. We saw them against Four Roads. Um, even though they were well bet by Four Roads that day in Dr. Hyde Park, you know, they played very well um, in large patches against Four Roads that day. But I suppose you could say Four Roads have great experience in their goalkeeper and all that. But, uh, you know, this this Roscommon Gales team is a young team, but they're up and coming as well. Maybe not to the same extent as Dominic's, but uh, they're they're uh, shaping up to be not a bad side. They are, there's some great nice players there. Young Kiernan is a good player, you know. Yeah. Uh, Kiernan, he's a good player. Uh, 
and uh, the Eagles would have been big losses to Maiden. You know, mm. you're the yeah. for 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 Scotland Gales and now for Ballygar. So um, yeah, they'll have to keep building. You know, and hopefully Gales will come back. I think it's 1970 is the last one in championship. And funny enough, the Gales I think are the second most successful hurling team in Roscommon in championship wins after four rows. You know, between Roscommon Gales, I think, and St. Coleman, between them, or Roscommon Town, they have more trophies than anybody else other than four rows. So, there's a rich tradition of hurling there, Aidan. And, it's like everything else, hurling can, you know, awfully, you've seen awfully, uh, come back with minor teams and they'll be back in the senior championship strong in the next two years too, awfully. And Roscommon Gales are a bit like awfully. Yeah. You know, good, good underage, good youth system. It's just about trying to keep them together, Aidan, and build, and then hopefully get a good 